Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. The truth is this, that God has a plan for every life, a plan for a good future full of hope and promise. Yet, are we not guaranteed to receive that plan? For we must grab hold of it by faith. We must trust him when it doesn't make sense, just like Abraham, Noah, Moses, Elijah, Paul, the disciples, and all of those who came before us. We must trust him when it does not make sense to us. You see, the Israelites that Jeremiah was talking to in the time of our opening passage, they wanted to stay where they were, but God had told them to go into Babylon for a season, and he would later return them with blessings. This was the good plan that he had for them. Yes, it would be hard, but in their trial, they would learn to seek him with all of their heart, and this is what would bring them into this good plan that God had for them, where God could truly use them. They needed to be humbled. They needed to be matured. They needed to be grown. They needed to learn to endure. There was a good plan waiting for them, but they were not ready to possess it. The passage continues to say, however, that some refused to listen to God's true prophets and chose to stay where they were. And those who refused to have faith in God's good plan for them put themselves outside of God's protection. They refused the gift because of unbelief in what God was saying. Therefore did they die by famine and pestilence and sword. The Lord spoke of these two people groups as good and bad figs, for they manifested either the good or bad fruits of faith or unbelief. So yes, God does have a good plan for each of us, a destiny prepared for us. It is a free gift that we cannot give to ourselves, but it is up to us whether or not we will receive it by faith or refuse it because of a lack of trust in what God has spoken. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, we read this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men might count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, for these Israelites that Jeremiah was speaking to, 
God had a good plan for them, but they refused to walk in it. They wanted to do things their own way, follow their own leading. So did he have to take them through a stripping? But nevertheless, he continued to give them space for repentance and opportunity to grab hold of the promise. My friend, I assure you of this, that it is not God's will or plan that anyone should choose to not believe him and perish. It is never God's will for people to rebel and put their trust in self or in demons. But we are here on this earth for a testing to see who will trust him or choose to stand in rebellion. To see who he can trust to let into heaven. Because you see, there was a war in heaven once, started by those who trusted their own vain imaginations more than his words. So now we have been given the opportunity to replace them if we will prove that we have faith in him and trust in his instructions. Because let's face facts that even God himself wishes that everyone would go to heaven, but if everyone got in, then it would be just as messed up as the earth is. So does God give us choices and watches to see our decisions? If we will trust him, that his plan for us is good and is the right one, even when it does not make sense to us. Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says this, If it seem evil or wrong unto you to serve the Lord, then you choose yourself this day whom you will serve, either the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, from the end to the beginning, it's the whole purpose in our being here in this temporary creation. There are always two paths laid before us. There is a wide and easy one and a narrow and more difficult one which takes faith to stay on. And the scripture tells us that actually very few there are that do it. So let us press forwards towards the mark of the high calling and choose today to trust his words with all abandon that we might be among them. And don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't have a choice in this. Because if they do, then they're either bald-faced lying to you or they don't know the truth of the word of God. Because from the moment of creation, there has always been two choices. From the two trees in the garden that Adam and Eve had to choose between, the tree of self-knowledge or the tree of life, faith in what you think as opposed to what God said, all the way through to choosing between Christ and the Antichrist in the book of Revelations, between faith in what you want to do and what Jesus said to do, it's always about testing to see where your faith is. In ourselves, our logic, our understanding, our wants, the lust of the eye, the flesh, 
or the pride of life, or in the words of God and His promises. Self-will, or God's will. Will, you trust Him and His plan. Will you seek Him for the way to walk in it? Because you are not guaranteed your place in it. The scriptures are clear that you can either receive or reject it. You can miss the plan that God has for you. You can settle and die in the wilderness. You can miss your destiny and purpose. You can refuse humbling. You can choose rebellion. So choose to fear the Lord today and use wisdom. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Put your faith in him and make good choices. Choose his plan and lay yours down. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereat. And why do most go that way? Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. Jesus was warning that there would come some to you who would tell you that there aren't two paths. That you're just going to do what you were born and created to do and there's no way to change it. No, my friend, it's up to you. God has made a way of escape. God has made a way even where there was no way. And he lays an invitation before you today. But it's up to you to receive it by faith. To turn away from the broad way and follow him down that straight and narrow. It may not be the easy road. But it's the one that will lead you into everlasting life. It's the one that shows him that he can trust you with all the glory and power and provision of his kingdom. It's the one that's walked by his true children. Because as we read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it really is impossible to please him. Therefore those that come to God must truly believe that he is God. And if he's God ought we not to obey him and to trust him, and to do even as Jesus taught us and say, not my will, but thy will be done, because the scriptures are clear that those who follow the Antichrist and the spirit of it will be self-willed, just like he is. That's what the two paths are here to determine. The will is part of your soul, and if you try to keep it in this life, then you'll lose it for eternity, because you will have no will in hell, for there will be no way to fulfill the lust of your will. Therefore, everything you did in this life will have been in vain. For nothing, it will all burn up on the final day, wood stubble and hay. But if you're willing to give up your will here, then he'll trust you with it in eternity. And you'll enter into heaven and to the glory of his blessings, his power, and his provision. 
He'll trust you to be kings and priests in his kingdom, and even to rule and reign with Christ in New Jerusalem, because you chose to lay down your life, your own will, your own wants, your own plan to pick up your cross and follow after him. So how do you know what his will is or what that plan is? Well, you have to seek him. That's why the passage concludes by saying that those who come to him truly believing that he is God will also believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You won't trust your own plan, your own logic, your own ambition. You won't try to build your own kingdom. If you truly believe that he is who he is, if you come to him with faith, he will be pleased, which will cause you to seek him with all of your heart. And when you seek him, you will find him. And when you find him, that's where real life really starts. We thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are good. And that you do work all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Therefore, do we stand in full confidence that if it is not good, then you're not done yet. Because in the end, you will work it all out for the good. Not for everyone, of course. Those who stand against you, who make themselves the enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ, it will not turn out well for them. But for those who love you and are walking in their calling according to your purpose for their life, those who are willing, Jesus, to follow after your lead, to get in their own garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will. But thy will be done, Lord, I'm going to trust you, even if it brings me through my own personal Mount Calvary, my moment of testing and trial and brokenness and rejection, whatever the circumstance, Lord, we know that you are with us. You will not leave nor forsake us. And if we keep our faith and keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling, you will work all of the ingredients of our life together for the good. And we look at this something like the process of making bread. Yes, not every ingredient is pleasant by itself. No one wants to eat raw egg or plain flour or straight oil, but all of the ingredients of our life, the pleasant and the unpleasant, they do work together to make something good, something that is edifying, something like bread for the body. Jesus himself, as well as all of the biblical patriarchs, are examples of this. Not every moment of their story was pleasant, but God did work it all together for the good in the end, because they kept the faith, they kept trusting him. Oh Lord, let us have this assurance and this confidence that we may stand at the other end of our trials and say even as Joseph did. Though when he was young he received a promise, it seemed like every step of his life after that moment seemed to take him further and further from it. Though he was sold into slavery, though he was thrown into prison, though he was lied about, despised, and rejected, at the end of it, it all worked together for the good, not only for him, but for those around him, including those who participated in his torment. 
that he could speak to them and say that you might have meant this for my harm. But God meant it for the good to save many people alive. In other words, he took all the ingredients of my life and made it good. So, Lord, we trust you today that no matter where we stand in the plan, on the mountain or in the valley, nevertheless, we stand fast in this confidence that your plans for us are good, that they are to prosper us and to give us the glorious and expected end that you have for us. And we know that the rewards and the greatness that you desire is not even fully in this life, that the scope of the plan that you have can transcend entire dispensations because you see into eternity and your plan is so grand that it has a place for me beyond the realm that I can see and comprehend in your eternal kingdom. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.